Hello and welcome back to the Saturday Sports Show here on 102.9 CRCFM. You're very welcome to the Mayo GA Talk Shop. I'm Cuevin Rowland and I'm joined in studio by Michael Kelly. And we're going to be going through Mayo's previous Connacht game against Roscommon. And of course looking ahead to the all-important Crunch Connacht final tomorrow at half one in Pear Stadium against Galway. Mike, very good afternoon to you and thank you for joining us here on the show. Cheers, Kevin. Glad to be here. If we can begin by discussing the Roscommon game, you know, not being there, not seeing the whole pitch in action, not seeing the total contributions of every single player from the Mayo side, it's something different this year. But from what you've seen already, has it been a marked improvement or just a huge sea change in how confident we are witnessing these Mayo players play football? Or were Roscommon just absolutely terrible? I, I don't think Roscommon were terrible. They weren't very good but I think a lot of that was down to Mayo putting themselves on the front foot and uh, you know bringing in that style of tackling in particular that we saw in James Horne's first tenure in charge when when you know players weren't given a second to breathe on the ball uh, there was a lot of that the only time Roscommon ever seemed to really have a bit of time on the ball was maybe around the middle of the field in the first half when uh, is it Cahill Cahill Compton is that his name yeah. the, the midfielder with the stupid hair um, anytime he seemed to be on the ball he seemed to have a bit of time to maybe look up but every ball that went in was going to a guy being double and triple marked you know Connor Cox had, had Chris Barrett and Oshie Mullen Oshie Mullen seemed to be marking everybody because every time someone needed a second defender Mullen was the guy I don't know that his speed just got him there quicker than anyone else but he was always there to back up the guy the, the other Mayo players um, but it meant that every time a ball went in there was a Mayo man getting there generally first first to the ball, break it down, and then you had the likes of Keegan or Mullen or something like that coming out. You have Killian O'Connor playing with a smile on his face, which I think we haven't seen for maybe three or four years at least. And we have him playing with his brother, which we haven't seen for so long also. Yeah, fully fit. Yes, exactly. And the two of them playing top-class football. Aidan O'Shea finally seems to know what's kind of being asked of him on the field. It's not just a battering ram and do everything. And yeah, Mayo were playing, like Kenny O'Connor, Mayo were playing with a smile on their face. And I think they stopped Roscommon. It was that Mayo played well enough. I think there's a lot more in the tank, but they played well enough to mean that Roscommon never got the chance to play well enough. That is actually probably the most important point of it. You know, they never really got into the game, bar maybe a few minutes spell before the end of the first half. Roscommon never really looked like a team that was going to come out a victor from Dr. Hyde Park last weekend. No, even even that few minute spell, it was Mayo's whites. They may, by half time, Mayo should have been able to make all was it, what is it six changes or whatever that they're allowed to make. They should have been able to just do it all there and then give lads a rest because the game should have been absolutely out of sight. Those few misses between the water break and the and the half time whistle just kept Roscommon. I won't say kept them in the game, but it kept them believing they could get back into the game. But then those couple of points from Killian straight after half time just killed it off completely. And the minute Connor Cox went off the pitch, the referee may as well have blown the final whistle because that was Roscommon giving up. Yeah, they seem to really have just ran out of steam as well. Really disappointing from a Roscommon perspective, of course. A lot of the national media were hyping them up. It seemed to be like it was going to be a major moment in Connacht football where Mayo were going to be dethroned as the de facto strongest county and then witness a, a period of Roscommon and Galway dominance, as I suppose it has been in five years. We're obviously in this knockout championship and we've already seen the incredible results from Munster and the excitement that it can bring. 
we all know that it's a 70 minute game of football anything can happen and having such a path to the All-Ireland final quite like playing Galway potentially playing Tipperary or Cork and then reaching an All-Ireland final how difficult do you think it's going to be for James Horne to try and refocus the minds of the Mayo players and get them fully focused for tomorrow's final I think it'll be very easy. They haven't been there in five years. You know, the last time they were there was Holmes and Kelly were in charge, and that feels like a lifetime ago when they when they were there. You know, and I think it should be easy for them to focus the minds and just kind of you know forget about playing Cork or Kerry in an All Ireland semi final or Dublin or Donegal or whoever in an All Ireland final. Get a hold of the Nestor Cup again. That should be the kind of the first conversation that they have in terms of getting players geared up for tomorrow's match is just to say you haven't gotten that trophy in a long time you owned it for a long time now you haven't got a sniff of it I don't think yeah we haven't been in a comic final let alone won it since 2015 when they annihilated Sligo on that great day up in Hyde Park um, there's so many new guys on the team since then you know who who don't have comic medals the, the, the likes of uh, Matty Ruan doesn't have one, you know, Tommy Conroy, all these new guys this year. But even, I don't think Stephen Cohen has one. He may, he may have, he may be there. He certainly doesn't have one as a starting player. He may have been there in 2015 as a squad player. But that, you know, that kind of shows you how long it's been that there is guys who are around four or five years who still haven't gotten their hands on a kind of medal. So it should be fairly easy for James to just say, get that first and then worry about, you know, tip or cork, hopefully tip. <laughs> That idea of being hungry enough, I think it's often brought up within the GEA analysis community and it can go either way depending on the result and it kind of forms a narrative that way. But it's correct what you say, you know, Jeremy O'Connor, Connor Loftus, uh, Stephen Cohn, they came, Matthew Ruan also, they came from that really successful underage, minor and under 21 team and they've gone to the stage now at senior level when they've became the backbone all of a sudden of this Mayo team certainly in the middle age they, they've contributed so much to how Mayo play and are so integral to that now it's a situation where they actually don't have any of those important medals in their back pocket do you think they will be the ones driving the performance tomorrow or will we see a continual performance by Aidan O'Shea Killian Lee Keegan and Paddy Durkin I think that there will be a bit of both. You know, the the likes of Oshin Mullen, obviously, you know, Matty Ruan, those guys that, that you mentioned, they they want to, you know, complete the set of of comic medals. I know there is there's one player. It may actually be no, I don't think it is Oshin Mullen. There's there, there's certainly one player there who hasn't won even an underage because they weren't involved in in the under twenties when they won or or a minor. I can't think right now of who it actually is. It may actually be Oshin Mullen. I don't know, was he there when they got to the Iron Final at under 20 and, and whether he was there at minor level where they won a, a provincial title. So, you know, there, there's definitely at least one guy there who wants to win his first. And there are players there who want to complete the set of, of, of underage and senior Connacht medals. And, you know, when you've won nothing at senior level, which, you know, the likes of Ryan O'Donoghue, Tommy Conroy, these guys, they, they've won absolutely nothing at senior level. They want to get a Connacht medal. You know, you grow up wanting to win two medals, a Connacht medal, and an All-Ireland medal. And I know there was maybe accusations of complacency in Mayo and the like, I think like Aidan O'Shea has about eight of them. You know, I think Andy Moran probably has his own Nestor Cup at this stage, Alan Dillon as well, for the amount of kind of titles that they won. That, you know, maybe they, you know, they, they got a bit complacent with, with Connacht. But this year in particular, you know, you have to win Connacht. There's no two ways about it. You have to have that medal in your back pocket if you want to get a tilt at going for Sam. So I think... 
you know, that will focus the minds of your Aidan O'Shea's, your Killian O'Connor's, your Paddy Durkin's that, yes, we might have two, three, four, five, what, seven, eight, whatever number of Connacht medals. But if we don't add another one to that collection, we don't get to go for the, for the Celtic cross. And then the younger guys, they just want to win. They just want to keep winning. They want to keep impressing. And as long as Mayo keep winning and they keep playing well, they're going to stay in the team and, you know, they'll pick up medals. Just speaking of some of those young guys, Mark Morn is to return to the fold if James Horn's starting 15 is true to his word. Oftentimes there will be one change you'd suspect before throw-in. So it's Mark Morn of Westport in for Ryan O'Donoghue at the centre-half forward position. Looking at that and the competition for places that is around the Mayo panel, not just the, just the starting 15 itself, it really has shown to drive a lot of these players on. Who would you be looking at to come on from the bench from whoever is selected? I know it's a difficult thing to guess. Any time we, we, we discuss it, we don't even know who's in the panel, whether Tom Parsons, we've discussed this before, if he's even available for selection. Who do you think, Cullen Boyle, will he become more integral in this game? Keith Higgins also, or even up front, Darren Cohn? Will we need a, a sharp shooter from distance against a potential blanket defence? I think as the games go on, James will have to start turning to the guys with a bit more experience. You know, it is, it's fantastic to see the likes of, uh, you know, Mark Moran came off the bench. Now he's possibly going to get his start the next day. Um, Rory Brickenden was off the bench. I think Michael Plunkers come off the bench the last day. You know, we saw a lot of those kind of guys. But I do think, and I said it off air, had that been a tight game, had that game been in the melting pot with 10 minutes to go, you would have seen Colin Boyle, you would have seen Keith Higgins coming off the bench, you know, you uh, you would have seen Darren Cohn coming off the bench because they're the guys that have been in that situation before and they know how to get over the line. Whereas when you're cruising, you know, I think the, the closest Roscommon got, I think, in the second half was six points. It always looked fairly comfortable for Mayo. So it was a great chance for those young guys to come on and stretch their legs. A better chance than the Leitrim game because of the conditions. The conditions were... Well, I won't say they were a lot better in High Park. The pitch was a lot better in High Park, which is not a sentence I ever thought I'd utter in my life. But it meant that they had a chance to impress. If the Galway game is a tight match, you know, it's, it's a final. There's a medal to be won. There's a trophy to be picked up. I wouldn't be surprised if we do see a few more of the more experienced guys in the bench. I mean, Fionn McDonough, we haven't seen him. He wasn't on the bench last day. Fergal Boland was a guy many people were tipping to get back his starting jersey. Don't think he's made a 26 yet, or if he has, he certainly hasn't come off the bench. Um, Tom Parsons, as you mentioned, Shami O'Shea, Keith Higgins, Colin Boyle. Right there, you know, I think I've named seven players. Only six of them could actually get on the, pe- on the field. So it's fantastic to see the younger guys coming through, and they are the future of Mayo. But Horan knows he can turn to these guys, the more senior guys, in a time of trouble. It's just whether he puts them on the bench. We won't know till what, 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock Sunday morning, who's actually on the bench. James Horan trusts every one of those guys. Porco Hora actually is another one. Yeah. We haven't seen it. Back in the in the early part of the year when we were playing the National League, he was the standout player. I don't think we've seen him at all. Maybe a couple of minutes off the bench in one of the in one of the games against either Galway or Tyrone in the league, and that's that's it so far. You know, he's another guy. Is he gonna is he gonna get into the team? Is he gonna come off, come off the bench? What's gonna happen there? So the choice that James Horan has this year is far better than probably any manager has had in the last, I don't know how many years, you know, you could almost always with Mayo, particularly in the last 10 years, name the starting 15. 
James Horan came in and said, I'm going to give you the chance. A lot of people said, ah, yeah, but are you, are you going to get rid of your mates who you brought through in 2011 and 12 and 13? He seems to have just, I won't say discarded them, but he's very much let them know, okay, you're in the squad, but you, you're not guaranteed you know, to, to be midfield or, or forward line or whatever it is. I mean, at the start of the year, we were all talking, I think even before we returned to football, we were talking about, could Shamie O'Shea come in as a number six? Where's Tom Parsons going to play? Could he be a half forward even in this we haven't seen either of them at all. And thankfully we haven't really needed them so far. But do you think James Horan is showing a, a Brian Cody-like ruthlessness in transitioning teams, identifying when they're no longer up to the grade required, unable to fit the game plan, and he wants to see these younger players given more of a chance? I think that's exactly what it is. I think you know the likes of your, your Shamie O'Shea's and your Tom Parsons, all that, while they can still do a job if called upon, maybe they can't. 70 minutes you know maybe they're just not capable of it anymore obviously Parsons with his injury you know wouldn't be surprised if he's not capable of 70 minutes of championship anymore particularly the kind of conditions that teams are playing in at the moment um, he does seem to be ruthless but at the same time they're the best players in training to bring along Connor Loftus as a midfielder or Ushin Mullen as a cornerback or whatever player it might be all these younger players breaking through they can they can learn from those lads and he can also turn to them if he needs to. Like I say, I wouldn't be surprised if the bench the next day tilted a bit more towards the more senior players. If you did see O'Shea, Parsons, Higgins and Boyle, for example, those four at least all on the bench together. And, and Donny Vaughan is another one. We haven't seen sight nor sound of Donny Vaughan. Nobody even knows, is is he still involved? You know, like you say with Parsons, like we haven't even seen pictures of these guys training. Are they actually in the squad? We don't know. You know, they're not making the match this squad, but is it that they're not there at all? James Horn, from what I understand from the from the, I don't know what you call them press conferences or if they're Zoom calls or whatever it is that's been done this year, is not giving away anything at all about players, team selection, squad selection, injuries, any of that kind of stuff. There's nothing being given away, whether that's so that nobody else knows about it, whether it's keeping his own players on the toes. I don't know, but he certainly does seem to be showing that, like you say, that Brian Cody style ruthlessness that. Yes, you were fantastic for me in 11, 12, 13, 14. You were great for Holmes Kennelly. You were good for Rochford. But you're just not at that level anymore. And therefore, you know, I don't need you. Could that perhaps be an inkling towards the idea of putting Aidan O'Shea as exclusively a full forward? We've seen it work quite successfully. Most recently, I suppose, in the Galway game, you know, it's been varying in the amount of scores that he has come off from Aidan O'Shea playing in the full forward position. But I want to bring it up because the former Galway manager, Kevin Welch, was speaking to off the ball today. And he was stating about the times when he was playing against Mayo and his plan for Aidan O'Shea playing in the full forward line. He actually, in the beginning, obviously he dreaded it. Mayo had a few strong wins against Galway early in his tenure. But by the time they developed a plan, and this is just a quote from him here, it would suck the life out of Mayo if the likes of a big man like that wasn't doing the business. So at the start, I didn't like seeing him full forward. But at the end, we would have no qualms with him going full forward. We've all learned the lessons from the first time and with any plan, we knew how to counteract him. What do you make of that? Well, first, I'd love to know when Aidan O'Shea played full forward against Galway. Because I cannot picture it. I can't remember a time when he was full forward against Galway. He Holmes and Canelli's year was the only time that Aidan O'Shea was exclusively pretty much a full forward t- throughout that season. And we know how well it turned out against Sligo. I think we bet Galway that year. 
Uh, I can't actually outside the side game. I can't really remember the kind of championship that year, but I think they beat Galway by three or four points that season. And other than that, yeah, I, I, Aiden was always a midfielder against Galway. Now I can't remember too many great days out he had against Galway either. Yes, those years we were beating them by whatever it was sixteen points, and the following year by eight or nine points. He was good in midfield, and then as the tie turned against us, a lot of it was down to the fact they started winning midfield. But they were they were crowding Aiden out in midfield. They were actually doing. A lot of what we used to see Dublin do where Cluxton would kick the ball right and because Aidan O'Shea was to his left. Galway were doing a lot of the same thing. They were taking Aidan out of the game. You know, and they were making him run run after one of the midfielders where the ball was never going in that direction. And it did suck the life out of Mayo because it meant they weren't winning into the midfield. But for him to say they had a plan for him, plan for him at full forward and therefore they should have a plan for him this Sunday at full forward. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm open to correction, but I just don't remember Aidan ever play a full forward against Galway I think we should also question a lot more of Kevin Welsh's analysis of Gaelic games he says here he's a big strong man good hands very good at getting frees even though they mightn't be frees sometimes but he'll get them that's Damien Comer he's talking about isn't it yeah that's, that's, that's not the Aidan O'Shea I know you know no, no, he's, no look let's be fair Aidan does win a lot of frees and some of them can look some of the, oh, there should be a lot more himself and Michael Murphy I think are the two most foul players in the game that don't win nearly enough frees and yes some of them sometimes we have seen Aiden throw himself to the ground he has been fouled but it seems to be to get the referee's attention that this actually is a foul and there you think back to the the penalty against Fermanagh you know that that he's he was accused of diving he was fouled up and down the pitch that day he had to throw himself to the ground to get the referee's attention and yes, it did look like a dive. And sometimes with Aiden, it can look like he's milking it. But sometimes he has to milk it in order to actually get the free that he should have won four seconds earlier. And I, I think it's, it's, it's lazy analysis to say that, uh, you know, that, oh, he, he gets easy frees. I think you could say that about a lot of players around the country that they, you could argue, oh, they get an easy free and another guy has to work hard for it. Aiden O'Shea is one of the ones who has to work very hard for it. Yeah, I think his temperament is always so admirable. When he was an underage player coming through the ranks, he was known for his hot head. I think that stayed with him as a reputation every time he came up against some of the closest rivals. They would really try and try and rise him, try and get at him. And the way he just doesn't react, how cool and calm he is in the face of uh, his marker screaming in his face, giving him dog's abuse, is really quite something. I have been close enough to the field at times in McHale Park or, or, or even Crow Park or other grounds that you can hear some of the abuse Aiden is getting, you know, not so much the, the little in-your-ear ones, obviously, they're a little bit quieter, but some of the right-in-your-face shouting and all that, and he just looks past the guy like he's not there, like he's already, he's focused on the ball that's down the pitch and waiting for it to come back up to him or whatever. And you're right, it is absolutely admirable because I don't know any person, myself included, who wouldn't have clocked the likes of Philly McMahon over the years for some of the stuff he's alleged to have said. Certainly some of the stuff we've seen players do, not just Philly McMahon, but defenders and midfielders right across the country, but we've actually seen them do. And he just brushes it off like it didn't happen. You'd think even um, Kieran Donaghy, the time he got sent off, he clocked Aiden across the face and Aiden basically got up and laughed in his face as if to go, yeah, I kept my cool, you didn't. And I think that's something the younger players, I'm sure they probably do look up to, to Aidan O'Shea like every young footballer in in this county and every fan as well. 
but looking at someone who came on as well and I think he deserves a lot more mention Jordan Flynn he was a crucial part of Mayo eking out that win I suppose it wasn't as difficult as I made it sound there but in terms of winning his own ball Mm -hmm. coming in and being a physical presence as well as he also set up a great score for Conor Loftus as well just at the close to the close of the game do you think he will come on and and become uh, one of these household names that we're already seeing the likes of Mark Moran who's come through would you be expecting Jordan Flynn to start a championship game by the end of the year he certainly has the capability whether it could be by the end of the year or not I don't know because you know you're into a kind of final All-Ireland stages then it, it, it's difficult to start giving a guy their first start but then you know you mentioned Brian Cody earlier on how many times has he given a guy his first ever start in an All-Ireland final you know just really throw a, a cat amongst the pigeons but the likes of a Flynn is not an unknown quantity that you could throw in and you know Dublin would go Who's, who's this fella? What do we do here? No, they would just go, how do we annoy him and get him sent off? But like you say, it does seem to be rubbing off on him that he's not getting... Now, earlier in the year, I think he may have gotten sent off at least once, yeah, possibly twice. I think could have been, yeah. But they weren't the kind of things that he was known for at minor level or at under 20 level, you know, where he would really kind of lash out. They were more stupid fouls and they were double yellows and that kind of thing. It, it does seem to be, maybe Aidan O'Shea as captain is bringing that, look at Killian O'Connor. You know, Killian is not throwing the elbow and this kind of stuff. And I even seen Billy Joe Padden writing about that in the Mayo News, that he's he's not doing those nasty little things that Killian is kind of known for. He's just focusing on playing football. And by doing that, he scored, what, 218 in two games, or 118 in two games. And we would still be a Division One team had he been fit enough to play the game against Tyrone. There's no doubt about it. He's playing with a smile on his face. I think that is all coming from the the, the kind of the calmness that Aidan O'Shea exudes into the team. And if the likes of Jordan Flynn can follow the lead of an Aidan O'Shea, because Flynn is also big. Now, he's not as big as Aidan O'Shea, but he's 6'2", and he's broad, and he's got skill, he's got size. He's like a rugby centre when he gets the ball, and he'll just drive at a fella. And, you know, he comes from a good football heartland. I know that'll break your heart for me to say it, but, you know, there is, there is footballing guys like that down in Cross Malina because they grew up, first and foremost, watching Kieran McDonald. Now they're being coached by him. Then at county level, they were watching the likes of Killian and Aidan O'Shea, and now they're playing with them. And it, it all gets passed on, and they pick up the traits of the guys before them, and they carry that on afterwards. And in the time they're playing together, it can only be a good thing for the likes of a Jordan Flynn you know, Oshie McLaughlin, all these different guys who are who are breaking into the team. Staying on the cross Malina issue as well, Jordan Flynn's teammate Connor Loftus has been ever present in the Mayo midfield since the restart, and he has put in some really impressive performances. Also, most recently, I suppose in the Roscommon game, winning his own ball, being effective around the middle of the park, and also tracking back and finding himself in in quite a large amount of space. Do you think Connor Loftus? He has a basketballing background. We know Diora Marshwa and Terry Connor were involved in some sort of training with the Mayo camp in Brafie throughout the year. Do you believe James Horn could be looking at Connor Loftus as a potential Lee McHale with better skills? Uh, I think that's a bit insulting to Lee McHale. As Lee McHale was a very classy footballer back in the day. Um, he, I think he, to be honest, I think he's looking at it more possibly as a, a Michael Darren McCauley type player Michael, that, Michael Darren McCauley couldn't play football though no, no uh, 
with skill with okay, actual yeah. skill Michael okay. Darren McCauley could solo the ball 20 yards in front of himself and bamboozle defenders by running past them to catch the ball and somehow got a, a, a footballer of the year award out of it um, but no I think that's the kind of player though that he could be for Mayo that he's just there around the middle of the field like that like you say it's, it's that basketball background you could have like Aidan O'Shea we, we've seen against Roscommon is still drifting out to midfield when he's needed and he was needed at times in the second half against Roscommon particularly with the wind and Conor Loftus is there under the high ball he's not going to win many high ball he's not going to win many midfield battles in the air like, you know, there's no doubt about that but he will be there sweeping in underneath little balls knocked down and all that and Loftus is the one coming out when there's five or six guys going for a ball it's Loftus you see coming out with the little hand pass or the foot pass and the ball is gone and Mayo are on the attack. I think that's the style of role that he's very well suited to around midfield. Because like I say, just he has the size. He is six foot tall or six foot one, you know, but he is fairly light looking. Now, I've never shouldered him. I've, you know, it's, uh, I'm sure he'd knock me over. It's quite, That's quite an interesting one because in my YouTube recommendations during the week, what popped up was the Mayo-Cork under-21 All-Ireland final. Of course, Conor Loftus was starting in centre-forward position that day. And he was tiny. Like, mm-hmm. he the, he was the only player. Now, Matthew Ruan was there. Stephen Cohen was there. They all looked like the jersey fit fit them. Conor Loftus, he could have fit three of them inside the yeah. one jersey. It was incredible. And then I went just to return to watch the Roscommon game from last week. And the size, the amount that he has bulked up is really quite phenomenal. It is. And, you know, that's, that's how guys like him break into senior teams. They have to bulk up and because they have the skill, they have the speed and all that it's sometimes a strength that they're missing. Now, maybe he does have the strength. If James Horner's trusts him to play in midfield for Mayo, he must think this guy is strong enough to go up against you know, Dublin, Donegal, was probably thinking Kerry, let's be honest, if Mayo got to a semi-final. And um, unlike Kerry, wasn't focusing that far ahead. You know, We know Kerry were looking at the All-Ireland final. Uh, Mayo have been taking it game by game. And I I do think Conor Loftus has a big role to play. But I don't think it's as going to be as winning aerial battles you know kickouts big long kickouts to, to, to midfield he's not going to be catching the ball over too many players heads but when does the likes of a Matty Ruan there the likes of an Aidan O'Shea floating around Lee Keegan as well they're able to get up break the ball down and that's when you, like I say you see Loftus coming out with it Ushin Mullen or someone like that speeding by here's the ball off with you Just before we wrap up Mike how do you think the game is going to go tomorrow? Uh, unfortunately I don't think it's going to be as easy as the league game a couple of weeks ago I think Galway really underestimated Mayo Gunners that I don't buy in for a second that they didn't care about the game had they won that match I'm pretty sure they would have won the league I think I don't think Kerry would have been able to catch them had they even picked up one win from those two games and they were obviously never going to beat Dublin so I don't think you know I don't think they'll be as bad as they were that day what's going to be the story with Shane Walsh and um, Damien Comer you know are they going to play? Even if they play, they haven't played, you know, since whenever they would have played for their clubs back in the summer. And in Galway, they weren't going very far with their club because neither of them play for Cara Finn. Um, so it's just going to be interesting to see how fit they're going to be because they're going to be huge for Galway. They're their two best players. And both of them are coming in either injured or undercooked. Mayo are absolutely flying it. Two games, you know, under their belt in the championship. Four games in a row. We know that this is when Mayo are at their best. Backs to the wall, which they are again against Galway. Couple of games behind them. Supposed to be tired and whatever. 
whatever it is, oh, they've played too much football, too close together and all that. After tomorrow, there's a week off. Sit back, watch Cork and Tipperary and see what happens there. And I do think with all the new players, desperate to win a first kind of title for a lot of them, desperate to win another for the guys who haven't won one for a long time. And there is a real feeling this year about Mayo that while, yes, they're in, in transition, because Kerry have been knocked out, there is a chance of that transition to at least get you to an All-Ireland final. On the 20th of December, God knows what could happen. I personally think an All-Ireland final this year is not going to involve Dublin. That'll be something for another day, but I think Donegal are going to come through that other side of the draw because, again, the time of year. So, you know, things are there. Galway would feel the exact same. They'd have been looking at Kerry being knocked out and going, Cork and Tip? Oh, yeah, we can take either of them. You know, we can take Mayo. No reason they can't get to an All-Ireland final. But I just think Mayo's couple of games under the belts and the fitness of the players, everyone seems to be fully fit and flying, will get them over the line. What, a lot, what it may come down to is who has that Salt Hill wind in the first half and how big of a lead can be built up. If Mayo have it first, can they build up a lead of seven, eight, nine points? If it's Galway have it first, can Mayo chase a lead of that or keep that lead from being built up to that size? But I do think Mayo will get over the line. If Kieran O'Connor and Aidan O'Shea both have good days and if Chris Barrett can repeat what he did against Roscommon and we don't see any mistakes and kickouts, then I think Mayo will get over the line by five points. Excellent stuff. Michael Kelly, thank you very much for your time and enjoy tomorrow's game.